0: 1013 at WIOD, the bad news. We got part of this story yesterday. Remember I told you that, uh, or we got informed by Sharon through I don't know who, that uh, W Snooze was putting on Paul Harvey as of yesterday? Your mic's not on? His <laughs> mic's not on, Marvin. <laughs> Hello? Okay, okay, it's on now. Tough day here at IOD. It's been a rough day. Well, rough listen, day. he was uh, in shock after this morning. <laughs> Anyway, um, the other part of the change over there, and this could be the beginning, you know, we keep hearing these rumors about the gradual changes from the live talk to God only knows what. For months, yeah. Craig Worthing is out. (gasps) Sally Jesse on tape is in. On tape, which they're going to play the 7 to 10 p.m. that she does from 1 to 4 in the morning, and then replay the first hour over again from 4 to 5. Now, Sally isn't worth hearing the first time, okay, and then much less the second time. Mm. So this could just be the tip of the iceberg over there at W-O-L-D. And the thing that really pisses me off is that I keep, you know, sitting back and watching friends of mine and people in this business who are good talents and nice people getting screwed over and over again. First it was Bill Calder, then it was Stan Major, now it's Craig Worthing. And Mm. God only knows who will be next. So you see, having talent in this market means nothing. It doesn't count. And I'm sure there are people in the audience saying, well, that's true for you, too. Fine. That's great. But uh, it really is pathetic. I mean, there are people working in this business, in this market, who shouldn't even be allowed into a radio station. I mean, not even to sweep the floor. No kidding. And there are talented people who are sitting on the sidelines going through grief, and Craig's gone through this several times now in the last few years, undeservedly so, Because he's a funny guy. He's really a good talent. He's a funny guy. And he was buried there, first of all, from 1 to 5 in the morning. Almost nobody in their right mind would want to work those hours to begin with, but he did. And um, then, of course, you recall the situation when we were still at Zeta and they wanted to get Larry King?
1: Sure, and they told him. And
0: they told Mm -hmm. him. Well, the only reason they told him is because we got wind of it and we put it on the air. So they were forced to tell him, and they told him in a real nice way. Uh, well, if we get King, you're out. If we don't get him, you're still you still got a job. Unbelievable, you know. And that was the bottom line over there at W O L D. And I know I've taken a lot of shots. For example, I just sliced this place to pieces when we were at Zeta. And part of the reason being, while I had made a lot of mistakes, and also I had never met Disney, and I really didn't know very much about what this company was doing and the changes they were making. But I got news for you, man. That W O L D, that outfit over there, that that's about as low as you can go. The way they operate that whole thing. I don't even know what term to use for it. It's a thing Mm -hmm. over there. And just throw on that old schlock that they've been peddling out for God only knows how long and now they put Sally Jesse, who is about as terminal. You know her TV show is bad enough but her radio show is just terminal. What do they call her? counselor without portfolio, which means she has absolutely no qualifications whatsoever to give anybody any advice.
1: Hmm.
0: And she sits there, and in 30 seconds or less, she's going to solve people's lifetime problems, okay? She can't solve her own problems. She's only been fired, what, 38 times or something Hmm. like that? Some outrageous amount of times. And the only reason that she's catching on now, that she's had any success now with the TV thing, is because it came along at a time when everybody's got a TV talk show. Timing. This is trendy. And so she happened to come along at a time when she could exploit the same bizarre, twisted topics that all these other fakers are doing. Yeah. So there's no live overnight talk in this No market. live... Well, as a matter of fact, there's no live talk from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. I mean, Wichner certainly doesn't count as live talk, okay? <laughs> you got a good point. I mean, his wig expired 20 years ago, and nobody told him, all right? So he keeps uh, bringing it in every night. But, I mean, he that's not live talk. That's, that's uh, foolishness. It's garbage. For ancient geriatric rednecks, that's what that show is all about.
1: Hi, chair How you chubby chicken in? yeah
0: you know that three hours of that or four hours, and then nobody overnight and I got news for you, man. It really sucks It really stinks this is supposed to be a major market. This is one of the top ten or eleven markets in the country, and there is no live talk at night anywhere in the market, and overnight you've got a you know a choice. Of listening to some gravelly-voiced douchebag out of uh, Arlington, Virginia. I don't want to mention his name because he's on this station. Or now Sally Jesse.
1: Crazy.
0: See, Sally's not so bad when you can see her on TV and laugh at the pink glasses. But on <laughs> radio, you can't even see the pink glasses.
1: True.
0: So Craig gets uh, screwed again, the royal um, finger, the Boy. fickle Boy. finger of fate. Boy. And I'm going to call him. I'm going to have him on the show one day this week. Because the thing that they did to him, so par for the course, that they do with everybody in this business, they don't give him a chance to say goodbye. Mm. In other words, on Monday morning yesterday, they tell him, well, uh, or whenever it was they told him, but it was after his last show, uh, you, you're not going to be on again. That's standard. Yeah, standard procedure. in the business. Now, this doesn't affect on Webb. I mean, he's only been in the market for 14, 15 years, Craig Worthing, or longer than that, I don't know, some incredible amount. 15 or 16 years. Yeah. Don't ask me about Don Webb. I wouldn't dignify it with a response. Okay? <laughs> the wicked Webb. Yeah. In fact, if he's g- still going to be on, wouldn't that be something? Because he's only been canned over there about 20 times and keeps coming back for more punishment. There's a guy with no shame whatsoever. I mean, seriously, he's been fired over there at least a half a dozen times, literally. And he keeps coming back. And they say, hey, how about, uh, you know, we're desperate. How about going on on the weekend over Sure, anything you want. You know, I'm desperate, too. Obviously. Real desperate. Well, you know, when you're the Casanova of the community, it's kind (laughs) of difficult to find enough time to make a living. Sure. So I just thought I'd mention it. A lot of people in our audience don't know who Craig is because he hasn't been on a daytime show in the market for years. A lot of people who are talk show groupies in the market know him very well. And I just thought I'd pass that along to you because it really stinks. It sucks, the big one, is what it does, okay? But that's W-O-L-D, man. You know, they're not the only ones, because we do it here, and uh, INZ certainly has done it for a long time with that awful TalkNet with Bruce Williams and um, all that. And Sally used to be on there on TalkNet. Mm -hmm, That's right. She got bounced out of there, and now she's over on ABC, is it? I guess. Or whatever. I don't know where the hell she is. And it really doesn't make any difference, because no matter what network she's on, she's still just as boring and just as unqualified to give anybody advice counselor without portfolio that's like saying brain surgeon without degree <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar i would say uh-huh. 21 past 10 at wiod if you look reaming and pleading with you over the years don't even think about getting into this business a lot of young people you know want to get into broadcasting they want to be uh, sportscasters or talk show hosts or disc jockeys or whatever it is forget it okay it's the road to hell It's the road to absolute immediate nervous breakdown. It's not because the business itself isn't a lot of fun. It could be, but the people in management, for the most part, are morons. Don't you understand? People who don't have any talent and can't do anything else become program directors, general managers. And then when they totally blow it everywhere in the business, then they become consultants, okay? When they can't get a real job with the station, then they come in and they screw up everybody else's station, all right? Consultants. And I just want to make this comment, and by the way, they do have consultants here at this station, just like they have all around this market. Radio stations that hire consultants ought to be embarrassed. They ought to hang their heads in shame, because you know what that's like? That would be like if you're a housewife hiring a consultant to come in to teach you how to do housework. Because it's like an admission that you don't know what the hell you're doing. See, for example, if you're a program director of a major market station, and we just got a new PD, so we, you know, we exclude Gary because he just started yesterday. We'll pick on him next week. But the bottom line is, if you're the PD, you're, you're being paid because you supposedly know something about programming a radio station. You know about music, or you know about talk, or you know about news. You've got to know something. And yet, when you look at the long list of programming mavens, for example, I don't want to mention Mark Kuhn from INZ, or Rose Folger from Zeta who would be very nice people if they were, say, pushing a cart. You know, it's a bread hot dog stand on a street corner somewhere. They'd be very nice folks to, to chat with. But within the context of this business are impossible because they haven't got a clue as to what they're doing. Not a clue. I mean, we, I could go on. We could do a monologue about Bolger the rest of the show. Nice guy outside of the business. A super guy outside of the business but unfortunately within the context of the company that he's working for and within the context of the job that he's in which is way over his head at least in this market i mean he's a one-dimensional person he did something in portland oregon which was very successful up there he thinks he can do it here and for two years he's been trying to force feed the audience here music that they don't want to hear but he yells for it He yells for it for the fact that the numbers don't go up and how many times how many conversations did we have where we say hey you've got to play some current music you got to play some artists that you don't like, like Billy Joel or, you know, a whole bunch of others. You can't let your personal taste interfere. And you know something? Even the music that I like, and I like, you know, about 20, 30 percent of the music they play on that station, even though we don't have great feelings toward them. But even the music I like, I'm beginning to dislike because every time I punch them up, they're playing the same thing. I love the Doobie Brothers, but how many times can you listen to China Grove? You know, I mean, how How many times can you listen to the same records over and over again?
1: You'll never believe this, but I went by
0: him on the dial this morning driving to work, and CCR was on.
1: Yeah. Very serious. As a matter
0: of fact, this weekend, they played, I mentioned I heard a block of BTO. Hey, here's a block. Hey, here's a block of CCR. Before the first note sounded, I punched it out. Yeah. And before I started uh, working there, in fact, before we were at Winds in the daytime and we started listening to their format, I used to like CCR. They were all right. Some (laughs) of their stuff's pretty good. But after you've heard it for the twenty thousandth time, it's like Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Now there's a classic example. How you can take somebody's favorite record and turn it into something they almost hate. <laughs> Sweet Judy Blue Eyes by Crosby, Stills and Nash used to be one of my five or ten favorite yeah. records. It's a classic. It's an epic record. Okay, it just and they just bang it and bang it and bang it and bang it. and to the point where just I'd hear those first guitar notes, man, I want to <laughs> blow my brains out. because it's, it's such a long record, it's about six and a half minutes long. I oh, think at least. And uh, they just have—they just don't want to expand or open up new horizons. They just want to keep pounding the same crap out, and they don't understand why nobody's listening to it. So it must be my fault or your fault or somebody's fault, yeah. but it's not Bolger's fault. And it is his fault because he's ultimately responsible for programming that station.
1: I tried to explain the market to him some, but uh, no.
0: Now they don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. They've all got the answers, man. They don't—they just go down in flames with their own failure. They don't want to listen. By the way, I'll give you an example.
1: A consultant told me years ago, and you may remember this is a great example of what a consultant does. And this consultant told me it's like um, someone comes and tells you how to make love, but they can't do it themselves. Yeah, they're
0: impotent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a consultant. That's correct. Like I said, it's somebody who can't get a job doing anything else in the business. So as the last resort, they become consultants and they run around telling everybody else how to do it. which yeah. They haven't got a clue. Perfect example. Well, i got a lot of consultant stories. Number one, you remember we had Lee Gillette there who had some personal problems and now is doing fine out in Phoenix. But Lee had one of the great voices in radio. I mean, still today, and one of the greatest voices in radio and television in the country. And he did this booming production, all this great-sounding, real... Real sharp sounding, strong, powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. And what do the consultants do? They had some guy who sounded like we used to call him the ten year old boy in <laughs> Cleveland or Cincinnati somewhere, Philly, with a high voice like this. Zeta Four, uh, another classic on Zeta Four. Does it doesn't have to be old? Yeah, be a exactly. And the guy sounded like he's a ten year old kid. He sounded <laughs> like that PD at Y one hundred, you know. And uh, so they young? took all the Lee Gillette stuff off, which is great, powerful oh, sounding okay. production. They put all this crap on, okay, because the consultant wanted them to put it on.
1: That's right. That's right. Unbelievable. I liked when they brought the new consultant in, and Bulger told us this was the marketing Oh, yeah, guy. He, would,
0: he was too embarrassed to admit they had another consultant. <laughs> he wouldn't. And who was their first consultant over there? And this is inside <laughs> stuff, but the audience loves it. They feed on this crap. Yeah. Rick Sklar. Yeah. They bring as the first consultant. Now, most of you are too young to know who Rick Sklar was, because he's like from before Joey Reynolds, okay? Which is like before the father time. <laughs> Rick Sklar was the guy who put on WABC in New York many, many years ago, and it was the big rock station with Cousin Brucey and Herb Oscar Anderson, all those people. and uh, Dan Ingram and Scott Muni. So anyway, that that was his claim to fame. And of course, the bottom line was WABC was not a good sounding station to begin with. It was dramatically overproduced with 8 billion chimes (laughs) and bongs and the reverb that could sounded like it was coming from Carlsbad Caverns. But it just happened to have this gigantic signal that covered about 40 states at night. It was, you know, it was right there at 50,000 watts on 77. And uh, it was the dominant rock signal in New York. So naturally, they did tremendously well for many years with that. Until somebody came along and started competing. And then they, you know, Mm -hmm. that's why they're doing uh, uh, garbage talk now Mm -hmm. on ABC. Mm -hmm. So Rick Sklar they bring in to consult the AM, which at that time was mostly talk. We were on AM. He knows nothing about talk. And to consult the FM, which was a, which was AOR, which again, a man knows nothing about AOR. You <laughs> know nothing about radio. Period. Since the days way back in the 50s and 60s, when he was in his heyday. And that should give you a pretty good idea of what goes on and why. No, seriously, I was talking to the new our new program director yesterday. He was asking me to, you know, give him some insights into this market. There there are no insights into the market. It's a bush league town. I mean, most of the radio in this town is so bad, it's embarrassing. The music on FM here is some of the worst you will ever hear in any, not just major market, <laughs> in any market. There's that station up the coast. I can never think of the call letters. It's on 92-point-something or whatever, that big uh, rock station on FM. It's not in Orlando, but it's on the East Coast. It's like due east. I don't know where the hell it is. Is it the one in Fort Pierce? Oh, any yeah, whatever it is, it's a great sounding station, and the music is tremendous. I mean, they just play every record is a hit, every record is great. It's just, it's a sensational sounding radio station. K-G-R. Yeah. Is yeah. we no, I that's think that's Beach. Beach. Well, yeah. whatever it is, it's a great sounding station. Mm-hmm. The stations in this market, man, it's like it's like they want to insult you. They keep playing all this obscure crap and stuff that you don't want to hear anymore, and and you can go for like a half hour at a time. You can go a half hour at a time and punch up. And now most of the car radios, you've got 12 FM presets. Why, I don't know, because there ain't 12 FM stations you'd want to punch in there. Hmm. But you can punch every one that's playing music and not hear anything that you ever want to hear again. <laughs> ever. And you can do that for a half hour, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you just keep swearing, and of course, I don't know why. I guess when you're in the car, radio is a habit. Even though you got sure. CD players and cassette decks, there are just a lot of us who are used to hearing the radio when you're in a car. That, to me, is radio listening time. Mm -hmm. I do not turn on the radio very often at home, rarely.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But
0: it's just frustrating as hell. It's garbage.
1: That's why I end up so often driving to
0: work listening to the sounds of the city. Nothing. A lot. Roll down those windows. That's right. (laughs) It's 1033 at WIOD. If you've ever been turned down for a loan, because lots of times he would fill in if somebody was sick and then come back and do his own shift overnight and pull double duty... And just anything they wanted, which is just his nature. They just uh, That's the kind of guy he is. He would give you the shirt off his back and, uh, you know, winds up getting the, the screwing. I mean, not that they had some great job that they were giving him anyway, because that's the graveyard shift, and there are very few people who'd want to do it. And I'm sure that the outlay of cash that they were putting out to pay him for that show was mm-hmm. minimal at best. Minimal at best. But we're going to have him on one day this week, so uh, we'll have the opportunity to... Uh, Chat with him, number one, and number two, give him a chance to uh, speak to the audience, which they naturally try to deprive you of doing, as if you're going to go on the air and say, you know, horrendous things or something on your last day, Hmm. which is ridiculous, because if you want to work in a business again, it just doesn't happen that way. But see, the management people, because they are, for the most part, such douchebags, they don't know how to end a relationship gracefully. It's like when we left over at Zeta, and we were there for ages, you know, weeks after we agreed that, you know, we were leaving. I told them, hey, goodbye, and they finally said, okay, good luck to you. And here's a letter of release, which I had to scream and shout and yell to get. But, um, you know, and we were willing to just stay until a reasonable point. And not leak it out, and not publicize it, and try to do it in a uh, reasonable way, and it just they couldn't handle it. Mm-mm. We were going to stay for months. Remember? Well, a no, not, well, no, Let, no. Let's not too? get carried away, okay? You know, it's amazing how you get emotional I about these things. it was things. two You're months. A month, about a month and a half. Well,
1: that's close. Max. S- Max.
0: Oh, well, okay? still... That's close. I thought. Don't was... say months, like, because <laughs> it sends chills up my spine. I, know, at the thought I of it, okay? I realize that. Just thinking about that. (laughs) It doesn't have to be old to be a classic. Oh, yes, it does. It does have to be old to be a classic. They couldn't make up their mind, man. They didn't know whether to scream or eat four bananas over there. They still don't know. I mean, I've got news for you. It isn't that hard. And I'll give you another example. There were some... Yesterday, we were talking about all these uh, TV shows and about the thing about heavy metal as heavy metal just started, which is ridiculous because it's been around for years and years. I mean, K-102 went out of that format and became magic. How mm-hmm. many years ago? Oh, uh, Many. Several years Several, ago. Several, yeah. And, um, but, but the point is here, another example, I don't like a lot of that music. I don't like most of that music, but there's definitely a market for it, and the fact that none of the FMs in this market really incorporate very much of that indicates, again, that there's a, a major l- omission. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just got a whole bunch of people all trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many Slush 94s do you need? you got Joy playing that music now, and Slush 94 is playing it, and now even Life is starting to play, like Neil Diamond mm-hmm. Records and Barbara mm-hmm. Streisand, stuff like that, vocals. And how many stations you need doing the same thing? It's like those days when we had four talk stations in the market. Mm-hmm. Boy, you talk about overkill. Now, that, that period of time when GBS was on for, what was it, a year, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. With their one shares that Lee Fowler and Dennis Collins so brilliantly engineered... Um, those were the days They just killed talk in this market as we knew it, which is one of the reasons that ultimately I got into doing that kind of talk because there was such a burnout on every subject that's ever been invented and every guest in this market. This isn't New York, okay, and it's not Los Angeles. Those are the only two markets, maybe Philadelphia and Washington, I guess. Those are the only four markets I can think of. Even Chicago and Detroit don't have that many real-name people that you'd want to interview on a talk show. Mm-hmm. But well, this is Miami. There's nobody here to talk to. I mean, there's about a half a dozen to a dozen chronic guests, and they keep showing up on the same shows all the time. And I'm always needling Steve about it, but I realize he don't have a lot of choice because there is a very limited number of people. And when the programming people keep per- forcing you to do guests, who are you going to put on? And I've told that story many times about how I used to keep those books, those notebooks, with all my guests in it. Mm. And I'd go back and I'd look, and there'd be the same names over and over again. I mean, good people, nice people, although Mm -hmm. some of them were boring, like Ed Cohen. But, I mean, I'd see those same names over and over, and I'd think to myself, Gee, I'm not... I can do better than this. Anybody can do better than this.
1: Hmm. Now, this fits in, and this is absolutely true when I tell you this.
0: I had a dream last night. Oh, geez. I had a weird dream last night, too. Did you? Now, I'm trying to remember what it was about. A very strange dream. I
1: remember this one because it sort of burned into my brain. Laura had a strange dream last night, too, (laughs) I just noticed. She was looking at Marvin when she was talking (laughs) about it. I had a dream. This is serious. That you went as a guest on the Sandy Payton Show. I am serious as a heart attack. Oh, I
0: know what my dream was. My dream was that I was was supposed to be doing play-by-play of the Miami Heat basketball game at the arena. Uh Uh-huh. And it was like four in the afternoon, and there was this thunderstorm, and I kept thinking the game was going to get rained out, <laughs> which ba- basketball games don't get rained out, but in a dream, you know, some yeah. are when you're under a lot of pressure in this business, you know. Oh, and uh, then I remember showing up, and I couldn't find a press box, <laughs> and it was like ten minutes till airtime. You and I both had radio I showed dreams. up at the last minute. I had somebody drive me there, and he dropped me off, and I ran in. I had no idea where I was going. I had no information. I had no lineups, no nothing. <laughs> And um, I run and I find a press box, and there's one of our engineers, I don't know who it was, some non-existent person up there with a g- surly-looking guy, dirty, with a dirty shirt on. And he's the color guy. He's doing the color on the game, and he's not speaking to me at all. And I'm saying, well, do we have any lineups? Do we have any anything? And I'm looking at stuff on the floor and just searching for scraps of something. And you know what that is? That's another variation of the same dream I used to talk about about finding yourself alone in the station and trying to read the news and running out of copy and having no record queued up. Unprepared is the word, the Mm -hmm. fear of being unprepared. Mm -hmm. See, when you do this kind of a show, you don't have to be prepared because if you're full of crap like I am, (laughs) you can just come on and just talk forever, which I might do today. I don't think we might take any calls today, you know. Don't answer any more of them. Just let them, uh, I don't know, why even bother? Because most of the callers are morons anyway, so why waste our time with that? If they were so good, they'd have their own show. <laughs> right? If they had anything to say, they don't have anything to say. How you doing, guys? <laughs> How you doing, Burn? <laughs> well, have a nice day. <laughs> so, in the dream, I was talking What's
1: to... What's hanging, guys?
0: I was talking to Sandy's producer. I sound like a... They sound like Pee Wee Herman at different speed. Okay, you were talking to... <laughs> Sandy's producer, yes. <laughs> and we were sitting... See, there. now isn't that criminal? Sandy Payton's still on the air, boring the world. She ain't got a sense of humor for five seconds. It came out on Steve's show yesterday, although Steve downplayed it. I don't know what Steve's new love affair is with the people at W-O-L-D, but he was, you know, his good friend Debbie Ellis and his good friend Sandy. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, unless he's looking to hit him up for a loan or something. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Sandy, with her... her hysteria about bilingualism. I mean, I gave up that subject years ago, and I realized that there were a lot of bigots who were trying to exploit the issue and use me in a program. And, you know, it took me a while, but I finally realized that it was just a waste, wasted time and a very divisive issue. But man, there isn't a month that goes by that she doesn't have Terry <laughs> Robbins on, she's not doing another. And isn't it amazing that in the Cuban community, they're always screaming about Neil Rogers and what a bigot I'm supposed to be. But when it comes to Sandy Pate, maybe that's because nobody listens to her show. Good point. But that's all she talks about. Between the collectible guys and a TV repairman, the only other thing she's got is bilingualism. Well, She's obsessed
1: with it. I do like that. So
0: here, Craig is out of a job who could really, he could probably give us some competition during these hours because he's a funny guy and he does a fun show. And she's over there in that in that book, in the fall book. We beat her already, and we were only on five weeks.
1: What does that tell
0: you? <laughs> I mean, she was doing fours and fives before we came over here. How now she's that? already going down in the threes. How about that? And dropping like a rock. Well, I do,
1: I kind of like And then
0: that, that Debbie Ellis, <laughs> other than being, you know, the size of Arlene Ross's butt, what is her story? <laughs> you... She's no talent. I'll never forget the day that the guy from New Times called me for that ridiculous article they wrote, and it was like he was in shock because he couldn't believe what I was saying. She's not a major talent by far. Far from it. She's just another knee-jerk liberal, uh, kind of from the Shirley Peter School of Broadcasting, who repeats the same old tired crap night after night after night. There's no entertainment there. Zero. That whole station is a zero. It's tired. It's old. It's archaic. It's 1045 at W.I.O.D. You're wound up. Like an alarm clock. Well, because I'm sick and tired of watching good, decent people having their lives ruined by the morons who manage and own these radio stations. It's disgusting. Don't confuse anybody with the fact that somebody likes personality A or personality B, like Stan. Stan was only number one in the afternoon over there, okay? Book in and book out. Great demographics. Yeah. He was the last vestige of reality they had on WINZ. and Z. He's the, he was the only thing that they had left on that station. And they blow him out because they want to play safe, okay? Because they're scared of their own shadow over there. So let's put on the old news and get all those good old demographics that nobody wants to buy and go back into the twos, which is exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. station with that signal, with the best signal of any AM station in the daytime in the state of Florida now. Incredible. And they got twos. But what about Zeta? See, I could take, and believe me, I'm not trying to do this for an ego trip, but anybody with minimal knowledge of broadcasting could take those two radio stations over there, just to use an example, and make them both number one in six months. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that. If you could get the right talent, Mm -hmm. and if you were left to your own resources and allowed to do your own thing, make them both number one and both big money makers in six months. So something's got to be wrong. Those are big ifs, boy. Well, yeah, well, that doesn't happen because Mm -mm. people that are brought in, well, you're going to be the program director, but you can't decide this, and you can't decide that, and you can't fire this one, and you can't hire that one, and you can't spend any money, and you can't be creative, and you can't do this. So, you know, all it does is make you a glorified bookkeeper. Because the people in management, more often than not, don't have any idea about any of that bookkeeping. And there's a ton of it you have to do for the FCC and mm-hmm. for God only knows who else. And so they have to find glorified bookkeepers. Mm-hmm. That's what Mark Kuhn was. That's why he's mm-hmm. still over there at WINS, because they admired the fact that he was a good bookkeeper. He could keep all of those forms filled out and, you know, all of those files filled. And oh, all of that paper organized. trail that you like to have, you know, yeah. against the employees. Uh, all of that stuff real well.
1: It's a good office manager.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So people who are called program directors in this business very often aren't really program directors at all they're just it's a great term you come mm-hmm. up with they're office managers that's all
1: mm-hmm.
0: they just organize paperwork they fill out all the network stuff and they send mm-hmm. it in on time and all the uh, all the pay uh those yeah, things that you fill out, right. what do they call those, because I uh, never fill them out. Time sheets. Time sheets, yeah, the time sheets and the, for the paycheck. The weekend
1: uh, schedule always
0: comes weekend out The weekend schedule is a very big part of it. That's yeah. what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. All the lines are lit now, and I said we might not even take it. Well, we will take some calls, because we wouldn't want to upset our dear friends out there in Radio Land, would no. we? Because oh, oh, no. Because Marvin's gone to the trouble of answering all these calls, and it would be a shame. It would be wrong, as Nixon would say, just <laughs> to leave all these people hanging. So the end of the dream was I was talking to Sandy's There's producer, more? just the end. Just was she was her producer speaking in English or Spanish? <laughs> or was she going? Bop, 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 bop.
1: And Sandy came over and she says, You know, I, I just don't know. I just I just can't get the ratings Neil does. And the producer looked at her and says,
0: You're not eating on the air.
1: That's the end of the
0: dream. Oh yeah. <laughs> well tune in this morning, folks. We'll give you permission for a few minutes. Sandy may be pigging out on the air today. <laughs> I'll never forget, you talk about Desperate. Do you remember the show that she did? She always, when she was on the station, she always had that high, that pseudo-intellectual plane where she was above the fray and she wouldn't talk about other talk hosts and wouldn't get down in the mud, you know, with right. me or anybody else. That's right. And then she did a show where she asked the audience, do you want me to do that? I mean, that really? that has got to be the most desperate lack of a show that I've ever heard in my life. That's even worse than doing one of those old Bob Lasseter polls, okay? Good Lord. Positive or negative? <laughs> Speaking of that, what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> Positive or negative? <laughs> well, you know when Lasseter was doing the show, the audience, with well, that audience he had, it would always be negative no matter what it was. <laughs> you bet. But i got to say one thing
1: on Sandy's well, behalf. Well, say it quickly because I... I do like you. the bilingual proctologist. You yeah. Know, i got to, mm-hmm. to be
0: fair... Yeah. <laughs> The one who speaks to assholes in both <laughs> languages, that's correct. It's 1050, 10 before...